day, huh? But anyways, happy Mother's Day in spite of, of that. But it's good to have you this morning. I bet everybody stand up on your feet this morning. And, and before we get going, just uh, say hi to a couple people right around you and let them know it's good that they're here today. And then we'll get rolling in just a second this morning.
Amen. Hallelujah.
Well, it is good to have you today. Good to have you today at Only Believe at Urbana. And uh, I thought spring was coming, but then now it's like 40 degrees out. Who'd have thought, right? We're getting there, though. Hopefully. All right, let's take up tithe and offering this morning. So if you have uh, something to give today, you can prep that. If you need an offering envelope, there will be some in the chair in front of you. And if there is not, wave your hand around, and one of these uh, phenomenal ushers will help you out this morning. And uh, the nature of Christ is to give. Learning to be Christ-like involves those kind of things, right? And that God will take us in life to a place where that, that we are just so open with who we are and what we have, right? Because the, wor- the world is just so opposite, obviously. It, it's, it's, it's greed. It's, it's uh, uh, getting what's mine. I, I saw this the other day. So uh, you think about this. Let this settle on your brain for a few days. Maybe it'll get down in here. So, so the American dream is to get as much as I can get and then do with it what I want. Right? But if we believe God is the provider of all our things, no matter where we live, that means in essence we're just a steward of what he's given us. It's not always just for us to do just what we want. Certainly there's some of that. But we're, in essence, we're a steward of, of the goodness and the provision of God. And there's certain things that he does to teach us how to be a good steward. I, I want to be, my wife and I talk pretty consistently about what we do with our money. Now, now how we work is, she takes care of it. She literally could be robbing me blind. I'd have no idea because I don't look. You know what I'm saying? I don't. But every once in a long while, I just get in there and check it out, right? Then I have 100 questions. That's what I do. I don't think about it for like two months. Then I'm in our checking and our savings, and I'm, I'm looking, and, and where are we at on this payment? And, uh, but, but we want to be the best stewards we can be with what God has provided us with. So we, we are a triple income household, right? Actually, actually like, yeah, so, so she works full-time, I work full-time, plus then I also coach, so I, I make money doing that. So we actually have three incomes coming into our house. We, we're blessed. We consider that a blessing of God. But I don't want to say, hey, I'm blessed. That's great. What are we doing with what God is bringing into our life? That's, that's, that's the deal. So you can be blessed all day long, but still not be a good steward with what God has given you. And giving in the church and, and, and it's leading you how to live life out here is teaching you how to be a good steward with what's coming in, right? So our, our tithe is a, a first response of stewardship, that I'm honoring my provider with my first fruits of my income. That's what tithe is. It's that simple. So, again, if, if, if all I'm about is getting what I want and spending it how I want, 
we're missing this whole stewardship aspect and God's trying to teach us about being a steward with what comes in, what we would say, well, I'm provided for. That's great. Well, great, but what are you doing with it? That means more than what you're actually... It is, it, remember remember the, the, the woman that Jesus saw? She gave of everything that she had. And it wasn't like the temple was trying to steal all her money, but the, the state of her heart was the place to be able to do that. Right? Does that make sense? All right, so... Let's be good stewards with the provision that God is bringing into our life. Amen. I pray over tithes and offering. Lord, we thank you today for an opportunity to come to your house, worship, and, and, and continue our worship in our giving. I pray that we are good stewards with what you bring into our life, Lord, that we're, we're uh, taught to be givers as you are a giver. Lord, so we thank you today for the opportunity to be able to give in our worship. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. Bring it on down this morning. And as you do that, a couple uh, quick reminders. Don't forget, uh, every Monday from 6 to 7, church-wide prayer right here. If you have questions about that, you can see Samara, Justice, or Christine, and they'll let you know what's going on with that. That's every Monday from 6 to 7. Don't forget uh, our next round of water baptism. If you've never been water baptized, you missed what we did two or three weeks ago. May the 30th, the last Sunday of this month, we're going to celebrate that again right out front just like last time. Sign up at the back. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member here at Only Believe at Urbana and what that's all about, Next Steps is also happening May 30th. As soon as the baptisms are done, we'll get into that. So if you sign up for that at the back, I'll let you know more about that. Then also, uh, starting with June, we're going to have consistent gatherings for our 5th through 12th grade. So uh, with school ending in May, so if, if your child's in 5th grade coming this fall, they can transition into that. So the first one's going to be June the 2nd on a Wednesday during the church. And then from then on, including in June, the fourth Wednesday of every month during church, the 5th through 12th grade will be getting together and having a youth gathering. Uh, and also, uh, we've been passing around a nursery sign-up sheet uh, I want to sort of get that rolling. So if you signed up to help out in the nursery um, next Sunday right after church, if you're here for 20 minutes, I just want to talk to you. We kind of want to kick it off. There will be some more training about that in the future. But we kind of want to get that rolling. So I know that's quick. It's only a week's notice. But next Sunday, if you can be here for a few minutes after church, we want to talk about that and what that means and get that happening. Amen. Happy Mom's Day. We have a little bit of a, uh, we have a tribute for you this morning. So can we play that real quick? It's that time of year again, Mother's Day, the one day of the year devoted to the celebration of the special women in our lives. Mom! But is one day enough time to adequately express our appreciation and love for our mothers? No, no it's not. No it is not. Because a mother is much more than just a nurturer, specializing in crustless sandwiches and painless band-aid removal. Brenna, seriously, get up. A mother is also a motivator, knowing when a gentle nudge is needed. Brenna? Mom! A mother instinctively knows when to offer tender words of encouragement. Hey, you guys have a good day. Mommy loves you. Bye-bye. Make good choices. Hugs and kisses. Bye. She is always available to offer wisdom and instruction. 
Can we just solve for y? X is being difficult. As well as correction when needed. A mother is ready at a moment's notice with a creative idea. How am I gonna go to the bathroom? Well, you can't, because you'll rust. And she always presents a patient and supportive attitude. Hey, how many does this feed? Uh, about six, I think. Cool. Why? Air conditioning's not working in the theater. Everyone's coming here. You see, the word mother is also a verb, to bring up a child with care and affection. The art of mothering. So a mother, along with everything else, is an artist too, participating with God to mold, shape, and refine his precious works of art. Of course, some need a little more refining than others. Yes. Yes, they do. Well, moms, you all are so great. We appreciate you, and uh, you do a phenomenal job. And by the way, all the ladies in our church, not just the moms, you guys are so important to everything we do here at Only Believe at Urbana. So high five all the moms and ladies around you real quick. Give them all high fives and say, you do a great job. We appreciate you, and we love you. I know I've, I haven't seen my mom since two Christmases ago, so because of all the travel and things, so I'm hoping uh, as soon as track season's over, I get to take a visit to see her. And, and no matter the situation, my, my wife's mom, she passed away 17 years ago, so, so some moms are in memory, but moms are good, right? Amen. And, and by the way, I always say this, in, in youth pastor for a long time, pastoring, sometimes I have parents uh, uh, bring their kids in because they're just like, you know what I'm saying? You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. It's the, it's the long haul of raising, not just the little moments that are frustrating. You're doing a good job. It'll turn out good. Amen. Amen. All right. So, having said that, I'm ready to get in the Word today. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to go to Luke chapter 17, continuing in our series on the parables of Jesus. So we're glad you're here today. If you don't have a Bible, I'm assuming we'll get the verses on the screen in a little bit. They do a great job back there at the, at the media booth for us. But I was thinking about this uh, yesterday. just want to say this. We, we believe in all of you. And we believe in all of you because we believe in God. And because of God, we will make it. Amen. You know, um, there are some days when I feel like my faith is giant. How many know what I'm talking about? You just feel it. And there are some days I feel like my faith is small. How many know what I'm talking about? 
But then on those days, at some point, I always get reminded by the Holy Spirit, if you have faith just the side of a mustard seed, you can move the mountains. Listen, because of God, we will make it. Right? Even if you, even it's one of those days where you feel your faith is small. You know why that's okay? Is because it's not about you or necessarily your faith. It's about who you have faith in. Because God is who he is. You know, sometimes, I, I, don't, know, I, was, I don't know if it was Wednesday I was talking about this. I was talking about this with somebody. I can't remember if it was you or somebody. We think about faith sometimes, and, and, it, and it turns into the fourth person of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and faith. No. Faith is not an end to itself. Faith is active belief in God. Right? So if you have faith, if you have active belief in God that's as small as a mustard seed, you can do whatever because God is God. And the reason you have faith in him is because you can't. So I know there's days that you feel like you can conquer the world. Well, go conquer the world. And there's days you feel like you can't, you still can. Because God is who he is. Amen? So we believe in you. And, and we believe that God has continued to do all the things that only he can do in your life. And that we're going to see the goodness of God, as the scripture says, in the land of the living. Right now. Amen. All right. So Luke chapter 17. The parables of Jesus. And, and the parables of Jesus center on the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So Luke chapter 17, let, I, I said verse 21. Let's go verse 20. Luke 17, 20 is the rain is pouring. That's what I'm hearing. Amen. You know, often rain is symbolizing the move of the Holy Spirit. How, how many of you would receive a move of the Holy Spirit that strong in your life? Anybody? But you got to be willing. Because oftentimes when it rains that hard, we seek shelter and get out of it. you got to go get in it. Amen? All right. That has nothing to do with my message today. Anyhow, Luke 17, 20. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. So the Israelites, the, the religious leaders, had an idea of God establishing a kingdom again, the kingdom of God. But again, their idea of the kingdom of God was tangible. That it would be reestablished the nation of Israel with a king in place, without foreign rule, and all those different kind of things. They, they were looking for a tangible government being set up in the name of God with reestablished physical borders. So they're asking when the kingdom of God would come. Or if nothing else, when God would return to restore the fortune of Israel or God would just simply remake all things. So they're asking this question. And he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in which ways which can be observed. So in other words, as Kierkegaard said, the paradox of the kingdom of God is that, that there is a kingdom not of this world looking to establish itself in this world, but not in the ways of the world that they do. So kingdom not of this world, God's kingdom establishing itself in this world, but not in the ways that we all do it with, with borders and, and government like we set it up. 
Because whenever we try to do it in his name, it all, we always do it man's way. It never works out anyways. Let's just be honest. We always fall short of what he would do, right? So they're looking for this tangible kingdom. And, and Jesus said, it's not going to come in ways that you can observe, verse 21. No, they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is in the midst of you. Some translations say it's within your graft. Other translations say there uh, that it's within you. So the kingdom of God comes, and it is within you. It's in your midst. It's in your grasp. It doesn't come in a tangible way, but it comes within the people who will receive of it. Okay? So the parables we've been talking about uh, the first week, the parable of, of the treasure found in the field or the, or the pearl of great price, where uh, these people discovered the treasure, discovered this pearl, and they went and sold everything they had because it's the greatest thing you can have. That's the kingdom. And it is where? It's within you. It's within your grasp if you grab a hold of it. It, it, it is around you. It's in your midst. The parable we talked about last week, the parable of the sower. If you have the soil to receive the revelation, not just to hear, but ears to hear, capture it. It can take root and start to grow. So the kingdom grows, again, it's within you. It's not necessarily something you observe out here, but it's a work that he's doing within you, right? Now, like we said last week, there, there are some things that happen when it starts growing. If you don't do what's necessary to push the roots deeper, your plant can be scorched by the sun and, and die. Or, or the, 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 the worries of life, uh, as, as Jesus was very specific, deceitfulness of wealth, it can grow up and, and choke what the kingdom is growing in you. So it's not only drive-induced roots deeper, but, but it, it is the care of the kingdom. That's on your part. But the kingdom looks to grow in you. It's within you. It's within your grasp. It's not something observable that you see out here necessarily. But it is a person-by-person person work of God. That's the kingdom. So the parable we want to get to today is Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God come on earth again. Sin made a separation. God is reestablishing it. It is God reclaiming his creation again, one person at a time. That's what the kingdom is. It is God having his way in you and in the person sitting next to you if you have ears to hear will it take root. If you take care of what's growing, it will grow. Right? That's the kingdom. So the kingdom of God, again, works the opposite of the ways of the kingdoms of the world. Matthew chapter 13. Here's uh, two parables joined together like one another. These are probably the two parables I reference the most when talking about kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 13, verse number 31. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. So in other words, here's another picture. Here's another piece to the puzzle. And we've been saying this every week. Let me say this again. None of the parables about the kingdom of God are a complete picture of the kingdom. 
nor are they nice, neat little theological boxes. They're pieces of puzzle, a, a brush stroke of a painting, getting a bigger picture of what God is up to. So the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And then he told him another parable, verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, till it was all leavened, or in other words, the yeast in the dough. So the kingdom is like a small seed that's planted, and in the garden it ends up being the biggest tree in the garden. Or the kingdom is like the leaven or the yeast that, that is worked through the dough till it reaches all parts of the dough and infects all of the dough. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God. There's something about this. In both cases, the kingdom is started with something small. Mustard seed, very small seed. Well, how many of y'all have ever baked bread? So you have the flour, you have the water, the different, and then you put in the yeast, and, and, and though the yeast in the packet, is it, it's not very big, it's not a lot, right? In both cases, it's, it's sort of small. That is how the kingdom of God works. It always starts small. You think about it. Because the kingdom of God always starts with the message of the gospel. So you think about this, and it's kind of amazing. You have the God of the universe who made all things in such a way that he just spoke it into existence. So miraculous, so supernatural. A God who is, who is all-knowing and all-powerful can do what he wants to do. When the world is lost, far from him, decaying in sin, this incredible, uh, all-powerful, wonderful God comes to reclaim his creation with a person. Jesus, the Son of God, God in flesh, incarnated. And the kingdom begins to be spread by what? His word. The kingdom has small beginnings. He didn't send a population of, of, of 20,000 people to kind of spread out over all of the earth and start to do the, inaugurate the kingdom. It starts with one person, with one message that then plants seeds in the hearts of those who have ears to hear and let it take root. It starts small. The nature of the kingdom is very subversive. It works underneath and draws out and brings in, if you understand what I mean by that. Um, you, you, you often hear of, of church militant. And we use a lot of analogy in the church of God raising up an army. Okay, I understand the context of it. But God isn't raising up an army. He's raising up disciples. Because we're not called to take over the world, we're called to keep the seed moving. It's very subversive. The kingdom's not a takeover. It, the SWAT team breaking down the door, taking control. You know, they're not, it's not that way. It is very subversive. And it works underneath. But it's powerful enough it topples kings and kingdoms. But it's subversive. It's not takeover, it's subversive. 
And that's how it works in your life. The kingdom of God is within you. It, Jesus doesn't come in busting your doors down and just taking things over, but it, it's subversive. It, it grows like a plant or as a yeast gets worked through the dough. You see? Our God is very patient in this. Why hasn't he come back again? Because he's, he's patient. He, he doesn't want to rip up all the tares because yet there's good stuff growing. He doesn't want to rip it all out. Good things are happening. Good, good things are happening if you have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit's up to and get in on it. So it's not this, this, this big, hostile takeover, but it's a very subversive. In other words, it's subtle. So, okay, uh, yesterday, I'm not sure it was the best day because of how cold it is. I've, I talked to you about this a little bit here. We planted our garden yesterday. And I explained to you Wednesday exactly what that means. I planted the garden yesterday, okay? We're not going to revisit this. So, now I know I planted these plants yesterday. Peppers and tomatoes and, and onions and, and, and some salad, the spinach, whatever it was we got. Now, salad. You know, I grew up in a household, salad was iceberg lettuce. How many know what I'm talking about? I meet, I meet Margo and salad is whatever you pull out of the, of the yard. I don't know. It's this green. It's just weird. So we're, we're trying some of this other stuff. Anyhow, um, I know unless something crazy happens, this garden is going to grow. Now, I'm going to have to tend to it. If it's not raining a lot like this, I've got to make sure it gets watered. I can make sure there's not weeds. Okay, so, so the whole deal with the garden. But if I went out and just sat there and looked at the plants, I'd get bored pretty quick because they're not fast growing. But after a week of time when I go out, I see they grew a little bit. And another week of time, it grew, and hopefully not too long down the road, it'll start producing the fruit of why we planted it. That's the subtle work of the kingdom. Now, you can throw a time-lapse camera out there, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and just watch it in just a few seconds, but poosh, and, and it's full grown. But the kingdom is subversive. It's very subtle because it grows within you in that manner. So if, if, the, if the conditions are correct, there will be a natural working of the kingdom growing within you because God is at work beyond your understanding. And thank goodness. Because if it was up to me understanding it, nothing would happen. But there's a natural growth that starts to happen because you are putting yourself in the right conditions for it to happen. And what does that mean? Well, all the things that we talk about so much that, we, that some people think are legalistic stuff. But you've got to be a person of the word and prayer and worship and the fellowship of, of believers and all these different things. You've got to make sure the cares of life and deceitfulness of wealth don't come in and, and choke the plant. Uh, offense and bitterness and all the different things that could cause you to fall away from doing what you should do for the conditions to be proper so the kingdom grows. But it will grow because God is always at work. And I wish, for the sake of all of us, it was an overnight maturation where in one day, bam, we're full-fledged, everything's perfect, everything's right, everything's Jesus all the time. 
But it doesn't work that way. It works as it grows through our life. But, but then you got the whole yeast working through the dough part of it. And, and debate on who the woman is in the parable, I don't think it's necessarily anybody, but the point is that we have a part to play in making sure it gets worked. How many of y'all have ever handmade bread? You, 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 you put the, and, and you start to knead it, and you turn it over, you punch it down, and you, you got to make sure it works the whole way through. There, there's a natural process of the plant growing, but it's also the work part of making sure the yeast gets through the dough. The kingdom works both ways. We have a part to play in what God is up to, right? But if you do these things, the kingdom will start to grow in your life. In this whole process that we talk about, he is becoming greater. My lost and, 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 and sinful self is becoming less, right? Or as Jesus said, picking up a cross and following him, I'm beginning to give up my life in order to have true life. There's a trade-off here. That's the kingdom growing within you. But, but I'm struck by, and I mentioned this already, I'm struck by the patience of the process. Now, God does not tolerate our sin, but he's patient with us as we work it out. Is that right? Amen. God is patient with us as the kingdom is growing within us, sometimes in fits and starts. That we know it doesn't happen overnight, but this process is happening. He's patient with us. And, and he also understands this, is that we cannot shortcut the process of the growth of the kingdom in our life. You can't, can't shortcut it. A tree that grows from mustard seed, it grows up to a tree. It may be seasons. I don't know much about a mustard tree. Maybe I should have researched it. But anyways, growth takes seasons. And you can't shortcut the process. I know when we make bread, it tells you to knead that thing at least for a certain amount of time. You can't, short, you can't just knead it for two minutes and oh, it's done. It's not going to rise. It's not going to work. You have to take the time. And you can't shortcut the process. I'm struck by the patience of God with us, and thank goodness for his patience. That those who have ears to hear where, where the kingdom took root within you, within your grasp, that begins to grow in our misunderstandings and sometimes in our immaturity and our lack of really grasping what's happening, he's patient at this is working through us. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I'm also struck by the fact that it's a continual process. It never stops. Now, so I, I said to the team, Worship team, before we started today, I made this comment. Let's not just go through the motions today. We're not here just to go through the motions, right? You have to be aware that God is ever seeking to push this process in your life. Don't just go through the motions. Don't, don't, don't get, get uh, lazy in the process of your part. That if the, now, remember, if the kingdom is like the treasure in the field, that when you discover it, you, you cover it back up, and you go find out how much does this whole field cost, and you go sell everything you have 
to have it because it is that valuable. Don't get lazy when it comes to the kingdom. It is the most valuable thing you can have. You see what I'm getting at? That you don't get into this life of just kind of going through the motions of this Christian stuff. Well, I believe I got the status of salvation. No, no. And we said this Wednesday. Salvation is not just something you get. Salvation is something you enter into and live. There's a difference. I'm living my salvation within the kingdom, right? And it's a process that never stops within me. But if I see it as valuable as it is, I won't lose my zealousness of being after it. We have to have the zeal within us, stirring ourselves up to make sure this process is growing in you. Why? Because it is true and abundant life. And why wouldn't you want that? If I've been set free from sin, I'm being elevated out of the mess of, of, of lost life, why wouldn't I want that process to be happening all the time? Because my benefit is for me. It's what God wants, right? So I never get lazy in this process. I, I, never, I never just go through the motions, and we get that way, right? So I try... I'm not going to lie to you and say I read my Bible every day. You're like, oh, you're the pastor. You read your Bible every day. 95% of the time I get to it. I do. And, and so if, if I calculate it out 365 days a year, 95% of the days, how many, however many days that is, if any of you are a math whiz, throw it out, it could get going through the motions of reading your Bible. Is that correct? If I pray every day, and I do, it could kind of get going through the motions. Coming to church every Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Sunday. For those of you that are saved, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm joking. Man, don't be harsh. Um, coming to church consistently, it can turn into going through the motions. Right? Now, you need habit in your life regardless of how you feel. But don't ever let things fall into going through the motions because there's a true, real, live thing happening right here. And it's the kingdom growing within you. It's within your grasp. It's in your midst. And it's the best thing for you. So I'm struck by the continual process of the growth or the, or the yeast working through the dough. That we never, never lose sight of the importance of that continually happening within you, right? I'm also struck by the fact that at some point the tree is completely mature or the yeast has gotten all the way through the dough and it's done. That means Jesus has come back and he finished it. Right? Because the kingdom is, 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 it is now but it's not yet. Right? Jesus inaugurated the kingdom. We live in the kingdom. It hasn't been established as, as a tangible, physical government with borders and so forth. It is now. It's within us. It's working around us. But it's not yet because Jesus is coming again and put the finality on it. And all things will be made new. And the government of God will be then tangible in this world. So there is an ending to this. 
and it's good for you. It's called eternal life. Right? It's called new heaven and new earth. It's called reward of following Jesus in this world. But see, also, by the way, another thing that strikes me about it is the fact that at some point in your life, whether you make it to the end of your life or Jesus comes back, whichever's first, if, if you are in the process of, of the right conditions and paying attention to the importance of it, to see it continue to grow in you, at some point, even though you haven't been perfected, that mustard seed has still become the biggest tree in your life. At some point, that yeast, that the leaven has reached all the parts of your being. Not perfect, not finished, but it is the most noticeable thing about you. Right? You, you think of yourself as... as we're talking about the, the, the time-lapse photography of, of the garden plants. What about time-lapse photography of your life? How many of y'all recall when you were first saved? Anybody? It, you, you received the seed, and it caught good soil, and it started to get some roots and, and began to grow, that little baby, baby plant. I don't know how long you've been saved. I hope that there has been some growth right? That it is happening in such a way that, it, that if we, if Jesus tarries long enough, that growth happens in a place that it is the biggest thing in your life. The yeast has worked to the farthest corners of who you are. That there is nothing that has not been affected by the kingdom growing within you. Amen. That's, he's becoming greater, you becoming less. That is losing your life in order to have life, right? That's the kingdom growing. So you, you can just be real honest with yourself. Man, what would my time-lapse photography look like since I've been saved? Has there been, and I know sometimes it's fits and starts, sometimes it's seasons, sometimes you have a growth spurt and then it's going to slow. I get it. That's the way it is. But has there been a consistent growth in your life of the kingdom? If not, what are we going to do about it? We get zealous after him. And when you get zealous after him, then his processes start to happen. It's within you. Amen? So you look at this two different ways. First way is, this is how the kingdom works in each one of us. It grows, it works its way through. But it's also how God works the big picture. Second way, big picture is God has been working in this world whether or not you have realized it. See, when I say, even earlier, I believe in each one of you, I also, I, listen, I may be crazy, I have hope for our world. I don't know about you. I have hope for our world. Only reason I have hope is because I believe in God. If I didn't believe in God, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not looking so good. Right? Am, I, am I being honest and true? If you are able to perceive it, you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you can perceive 
what God is up to, therefore you will have hope. The kingdom has been working in this world like yeast through the dough. It's not always tangible for you to see because it's happening right here and here and here and here. You see what I mean? It's not always tangible because you don't see it on the news. It doesn't get the big write-ups on the Internet because it's right here, each one of us. And when we start to perceive what God is up to, it gives us hope. Not only for ourselves, but what is happening around us. There, because if we have this great treasure in the field, and we understand the nature of the kingdom, how it's subversive and also very subtle and often quiet. It's not this big hostile takeover. When you see it that way, you can see that God is up to something. Therefore, participate in what he's up to. Don't keep the treasure to yourself. Be an agent of, of, of sowing the seed of the, the gospel, the word of God. Watch this. Be an agent as believers helping somebody else grow the kingdom within them. We're, we're disciples, but we're disciples together. We should be helping one another, right? It's not a lone adventure, and I'm, I'm glad. How many of y'all ever grew up watching The Lone Ranger? Well, Lone Ranger still had Tonto, all right? He really wasn't the Lone Ranger. He was with the other Rangers, but not with Tonto. He had somebody, helped him. We're in this process together. So the kingdom is growing within us, and God is working his way through this world, and there will be a big finale. Amen. Because right now it's very subtle and subversive, but, buddy, when the trumpets start blowing, there's no more subtle or subversive. Here it comes. You know what I'm saying? And God will reveal himself in such a way that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. We'll close up there today. So challenge. We continue next week in the parables of Jesus talking about the kingdom. I guess maybe the, the challenge that would stick out to me today is this. If, if you need to, kind of shake yourself up. Get awake again to the work of God. Right? Stir yourself up for the zeal after who he is and what he's about. Right? Be aware that you still have the treasure, and if you lost the value of the treasure in your heart, regain it. And realize again what you have. And let that drive you in your everyday life and what you're doing. So we asked this Wednesday night, and let me just say this again. I, I would ask you, how many of you know you need God? How many of y'all live like it? Okay. You see, you can. So driving ourselves in the kingdom, right? Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you. For a day to come together and, and, and we hear the rains this morning, Lord, we're just taking the sign of your spirit ever moving. Lord, I pray each one of us, we have ears to hear and eyes to see what you're up to, not only within us, but around us. That we participate in the work of the kingdom. I pray for those of us who kind of need to shake ourselves awake a little bit to perceive what you are up to, that we do so. 
that the value of the kingdom of God is at the forefront of our life. We are saved, amen, but the growth needs to happen, amen. So, Lord, lead us, guide us. I pray the still small voice of the Spirit is very clear to us each day that we hear, we listen, we obey. I pray for each one of us here that we are in this life right now, in this land of the living, as Scripture calls it, that you are becoming greater and we are becoming less, growing in you deeper roots for your glory, for the freedom of life that you want to bring. In Jesus' name, we all say Amen. All right. Well, thank you for being here today, Wednesday night. Uh, Pastor Phil Walker will be with you. So come on out for Pastor Phil Wednesday, little guest speaker Wednesday. Better than that, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a blessed week.